everybody. Welcome to episode 117 of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. I'm your host, Junkmeister. For you, a lot in store for you this week. Uh, I am particularly feeling a little bit under the weather. All right, all right. If you were watching the Instagrams or even like paying attention to a little Facebook post that we put out the other day, you will have heard that nice little ditty. And uh, yeah, it's called Country Road. I was trying to remember that because I have not played that since I made that up for the show just for you guys. All right. If you have any music that you'd like to send to the show, go for it. Uh, Obviously, I just make up stuff and noodle around when it comes to me and then uh, record it and put it in the background like so. So this week, uh, I am feeling like hammered dog shit. Is that a phrase that you know? Because that's a phrase that I know that means I feel terrible. And uh, son of a GNU, if it didn't just happen to be that I've been feeling this way this whole week. So if you hear some coughing or rasping or wheezing, uh, I'll try to keep it to a minimum and I'll try to keep the snuffling and sniffling. But the amount of stuff that's been coming out of my head for like the whole last week is like driving me nuts. So and my, my family is... You know, we're all we're all hit, and and uh, I moved, so where we're at the new studio right now, it's very quiet. I have the noise gate on because uh, our uh, the microphone equipment is so nice and wonderful that I could hear these like crazy parrots from like a mile away and the dog down the street. That's how nice this new recording studio is. So I'm really stoked to be here at the new place, uh, be up in the new studios, and be bringing you a new show. Um, I did want to remind everybody out there that uh, Solstice Slam is going to be coming up here pretty soon. I know usually we've had it like the beginning of April and uh, I think I'm going to set a date and I'll try to have it for you by the end of the show. But uh, slam at creativewriting.com, no slam at creative-writing.com is where you can submit your Solstice Slam entries. And these are just stories. And I thought this year, if we had enough different types of stories, we might give out categorically uh, different prizes, like best crash story, uh, best camping story, so on and so forth. And uh, we'll try to get that to you. Uh, we might hear from the co-host Wigs in a little bit. I, uh, I've been feeling so terrible. We normally record uh, you know, in the beginning of the week. And... Um, I said, dude, I can't, and I'm not going to get you and your family and your little baby sick. So you just take the recorder, run with it, bro. And he said he was able to riff for about an hour. So we'll see what he came up with. A lot to talk about this episode. We missed out. We really missed the ball. Um, And uh, let me see. We stalled at the starting line, to put it in motorcycle terms, of uh, being on point for flat track, which is like kind of what the show ended up being like in the middle of last year. I was trying to go to all the hooligan events and all the local events and uh, keep you guys up to date on what's happening um, in the world of flat track racing um, on TV. And so the Daytona TT snuck up on us. Daytona Bike Week, I had erroneously reported as starting the 3rd through the 9th. And uh, it was actually the 9th through the 14th or 17th or whatever the heck. I don't know how long it went, but at any rate, Uh, you ever felt so bad that you, when you blow your nose or you cough, like your whole body aches? Like I feel every time like I blow my nose, not only is like a half a cup or a quarter cup of gack coming out, like that green Nickelodeon slime, but also like all the marrow in the bones in my head from my teeth to the top of my skull is coming out with it. I just feel like I'm pulling this gigantic string that's attached to uh, everything inside my head. It's terrible. So I hope uh, that it's been, I hope you're feeling well and I hope that it's been much nicer where you are this week in California, at least in SoCal. It's been raining almost every damn day. I know Wiggs has the Veggie Plate Classic coming up this weekend and uh, it's been raining th- uh, constantly since uh, I think like Tuesday or Wednesday. No, Tuesday, yeah. 
and um, it's been raining hard too. So for the last four or five, four days, I guess, it's been just dumping. And uh, I'm not sure if today is bright. I, I, you, here's how you know you're a racer because when it's been racing for five or raining for five days straight, you're like, oh, Saturday, there's like only a 40% chance of rain. It's going to be great. The racetrack's going to be open and dry, especially when you're on dirt. And here's how you know you're not a racer. You're like, eh, it's been raining for five days. I didn't really want to ride this weekend anyway. I'm going to let it dry up, and I'll try again next week. So that's the difference between a racer or slash promoter, if you got money on the line, and uh, the average Joe. So I know I know Wiggs is really, really hoping for the um, the track to dry out today. And I, I, uh, haven't really looked at the weather today for, for Riverside, but I know that, um, basically I, I think we're forecast to get rain, unfortunately throughout the weekend. So we'll see how that goes. And, uh, otherwise, uh, like, again, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I feel so terrible. I'm actually going to throw this microphone, uh, windsock away after I record this episode. I, I switched out my normal one for a spare one. That's why I keep like 85 of them around is because you never know. <coughs> Pardon me. You never know when something's going to happen like that. And I don't want all these germs to be on here next time, next week we record. And, uh, on that, I'm going to pause it because I need to go hack a loogie. Shut up, you goddamn sky rats! All right, sorry about that. I had to yell at the parrots outside. Uh, my new location is, uh, I used to have a bunch of little tiny twitty birds around my old house. In this place, <clears throat> those red-headed Mexican parrots that uh, migrate up here for the wintertime. They like it cold, I guess, <clears throat> and rainy. But anyway, yeah, so on this episode, uh, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. I do want to get into some feedback, some emails that we got, and uh, catch you up a little bit on the the first round of flat track racing, which is the Daytona TT. We'll talk about that. God dang, my hands are so uh, shaky. My head is so in so much pain, I accidentally stopped recording. Now we're into the show. So here we go. Let's try this again. Anyway, we're going to catch you up on a lot of stuff that happened this last week. I want to get into, um, did you watch the uh, MotoGP at Cutter this weekend? I heard that uh, Rossi made the podium, and I heard that Marquez and I don't remember if it was Vinales that uh, also did a really cool um, showing there on the, uh, no, let me think of who it was. Ducati was on the top. But it wasn't. It was. It was. I think it had to be Dovi, um, Rossi, and uh, Marquez is probably who was at the top. So that's super exciting. Uh, coming to you from Qatar or Qatar, however you would like to pronounce that. Also, the I did not hear a peep about this, which is kind of saddening. But the uh, the FIM Moto E World Cup Electric Motorcycle, the Ego Corsa from Energica, made its world debut. Uh, with the first demo lap at the LaSalle circuit at, in Doha. Uh, Simon Crafar, I believe that's how you say his name. Maybe it's Simon Cra Close, <laughs> who was a um, former 500cc British Grand Prix uh, winner, enjoyed the lap on the Eagle Corsa. Um, as part of the Mojo, MotoGP World Championship this season, uh, there's a demo lap planned for each Grand Prix weekend. And of course... Argentina, April 8th, is going to be the uh, the next time. And 2019 is when they're actually going to kick off the race series. Hopefully by 2019, nah, they're not going to do this. This, you know, they're, they're set in their ways. But I was thinking by the 19th, or by 2019, maybe they will say, hey, we're going to not just have Energica uh, uh, be the, the company. We're going to open this up to other people like Harley Davidson if they want to get in it. Now that Harley is going to have an electric motorcycle, uh, coming out soon, and hopefully uh, Zero will make the step up with like one of their DSRs, and uh, hell, hopefully even Indian will get in with their old um, Bramo technology. Um, we might see a bunch of other stuff coming out. Now that Harley, the electric motorcycle, one thing that you can't do is race a Harley against all these Yamahas and, you know, uh, Honda RC213Vs and um, Ducati 
the Panigale V4s and all the stuff in uh, MotoGP or even World Superbike for that matter. You can't take a Dyna out there or a Sportster. But what you can do is you can race an electric bike. So uh, the Livewire may just be Harley's uh, foot in the door back into racing now that the VR1000 uh, or whatever they called their, I think that's what their race World Superbike used to be called back in the day. <coughs> God, my apologies, people. I really am feeling way under the weather. Uh, but yeah, so that was exciting news. Of course, this uh, feedback, thank you, John, for coming on last weekend. We got some feedback uh, from Paul, and uh, he says, first, all, first off, screw you, Mike, from the Motorcycles Misfits podcast. Um, we all know that. So uh, yeah, that's that's my Paul, man. That's Field producer Bri Viffer, that's uh, the one that's always tormenting Mike on the Misfits. But he had some uh, feedback from the uh, the e-bike episode. I'm going to read his email here verbatim right at the top of the show. Uh, so from Paul. A lot of the arguments I hear are about wanting to extend range and decrease charging time, but I wonder how most people use motorcycles and how critical that is. Even when I was commuting 70 miles each way, an e-bike would have been fine if I had a 100-mile range at highway speeds. I could easily get to work and it could get a full charge while parked during the day, assuming that a normal 110-volt plug-in and your employer allowed you to plug in. The reason I never pulled the trigger is that, quote, feeling of of possibly getting stranded. My VMAX range was only a little bit more than 100 miles, but knowing that I'm only about five miles from a gas station at any given time was reassuring. I hear people making the argument, <coughs> I hear people make the argument about not being able to do a cross country trip, but in reality, that shouldn't be the barometer. During the week, I see plenty of commuters, and on weekends, I see lots of weekend warriors. So I wonder what type of range slash charging time those guys need to make an e bike work for them in the real world, as opposed to what they think they need. I know when I look back to how I used my bike in reality, range anxiety disappears. As motorcyclists and part-time ranchers, we know it's important to have the right tool for the job. For commuting, an e-bike would have been fine. For a cross-country trip, I'd be looking at a traditional ice in a Goldwing. Maybe in 5 or 10 years, e-motors will have the range of an ice and charging stations will be on every corner and it will only take 5 to 10 minutes to recharge. But for now, I think they are quote, good enough, just not truly equivalent to the ice. If the performance gains of an e-motor are any indication of what's to come, I think the range slash charging aspect will come along in time. End email. All right, thank you, Paul, for that email, a.k.a. Bri Viffer. And I agree, after last week's guest, uh, John came on and we talked about it, um, I really feel like there's a there's parody coming. I mean, there's parody now. Chris and I even mentioned the fact that uh, some of the, you know, his VMAX only got 100 miles. Some of the choppers and stuff that are out there only get 60 miles. And uh, there's people already getting like 200 miles, depending on your riding style, uh, on e-bikes already. And it's just that charging time that needs to come down. And as we learned, if they've got a level two charger, uh, they're, it's capable right now of blasting in uh, just a few minutes, actually. And so I agree. And I, I think that uh, it's more of a zetgeist, if anything, of the times, rather than like uh, a huge issue. Uh, one thing I have seen, actually, I wanted to mention is that I there's a this this push for electric and the demand you know this uh, de- no I wouldn't say demand what's what's the word I'm looking for this um, a push for electric and also these uh, statements by the OEMs that they're going to go all electric have pushed the few remaining uh, ice engine builders I guess if you will to try to make their stuff a little bit more um, a little bit more clean. And a little bit more economical. And one thing I saw that's coming out is, you know, obviously the GS, even the little tiny 250 uh, GSX that's coming out um, from <coughs> Suzuki this year. I bet you love that right in your ear. It has uh, variable valve timing, I believe. And there's a couple other things that the new GSXR 1000 has, which is like uh, it's got like a weighted cam and it basically adjusts the valve timing. Uh, something I've seen coming from Infinity is that they're actually working with uh, I think it's like the Q50 or something like that. Their new crankshaft is actually actually expands the combustion chamber and it reduces compression for like a burst of power. 
And what it does is there's this arm that rocks and it just changes the axis on which the um, the uh, connecting rods actually go up and down in the piston. And if you look on Infinity's website somewhere, you'll probably see it. But it's also like a turbo motor. And we've seen already Kawasaki coming out with the... Um, we there's there's been OEM turbos before, but the H2 is like really the only supercharged one, and everyone thinks supercharging makes power, and all this and that. But really, what it does is it means that you have to use less fuel to get the same amount of power. You know what I'm saying? So it does make more power, but it, what it does is it's keeping it so that uh, you don't have to add like a different type of fuel or just blow more fuel through there. The whole reason that motorcycles get some of the treatment that they do, and in a lot of states like California where there's crazy emissions like CARB is a California Air Resources Board, and they govern every single uh, vehicle that comes in, and that's the whole reason you can't buy non-California vehicles unless they have so many th- uh, thousands of miles on them, or they're over older than a certain year. And it's because uh, they don't meet the emission standards that California has set up. But motorcycles kind of get a pass, even in California, because they've always been per the fuel that you use, they've been more efficient than cars and they take up less space. So they let them get away. You, uh, it's a national law. I believe it's a f- federal uh, traffic regulation that motorcycles are allowed to ride in the carpool lane. And I also think even if you're a single rider, and I also think that it's a federal law for most places, I don't think you have to get motorcycles smogged. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I mean, if California doesn't require it because they're more efficient, then uh, I don't see, I, there's possibly other places where you have to do safety inspections, and part of that is maybe a smog. But at any rate, like motorcycles pollute worse than cars do, I think. If you look at the knocks coming out the tailpipe, um, especially two, old two-strokes, that's why they're, were illegal in California. Uh, they might even be still, except for the direct injection that they're coming out with. But the thing is, is that uh, it's more of a sign of the times and it's more of a sign, uh, like I said, it's like a little bit of a zeitgeist that uh, electric bikes and cars are making a push right now. And I think the that the range anxieties and all that stuff are going to go away. Just like people probably didn't think you'd be able to make it very far without carrying five cans of gas on your back or on your bike back in the day because gas stations were on every corner. So it's the same sort of thing. And I agree with Bri Viffer, the future's bright. Uh, Got to wear shades. And I'm waiting for the day when uh, probably BMW will do it first because they already have some rad uh, like counterbalancing pistons that are dummy pistons. But I'm waiting for the day where they make a thing where you roll on the throttle and uh, basically uh, a little dummy piston moves your, uh, basically increases or decreases your compression ratio. All right, a quick corrections corner. The uh, Suzuki GSX-R250, no, the GSX250R does not have variable valve timing. Um, And basically the GSX-R1000 has like a weighted cam that has uh, some sort of like ramp system in it, which allows it to turn and and vary the valve timing. But it does have uh, roller rockers, which makes it a little bit more efficient. And it's got a cam that's basically tuned for mid-range and allows you to get a quoted 76 miles per gallon. I was just looking on their website and I thought, hey, I'm, while I'm here, I might as well uh, inform you as to what I was talking about. But it also has a little parallel twin that's tuned with uh, like this new EFI and uh, it's got a lot of cool stuff. The I think that the Suzuki's famous for their treatment, their um, cylinder treatments to reduce friction. So everything just gets a little bit more efficient. And also, I should put a link in the show notes if you want to check out Infinity's uh, variable compression engine, just because it's so interesting. It's the VC Turbo. And I sh- I'll try to put, if you go to infinityusa.com and look, you know, look up their news or whatever, I'm sure it's on there. But what I was talking about is it's almost like the, obviously the crankshaft can't move around within the engine crankcase because uh, then you're going to be in some trouble there with having <laughs> connectivity problems to the drive drivetrain. But the, there's a, um, they're calling it, calling it a harmonic drive and an, actuator arm that looks like what if you imagine an old uh, push rod looks like with the big end and the little end 
those sit on now what is basically like a cantilevered link and that goes to a rod and now the, the, the connecting rod that connects the piston no longer has a big crank end and a little wrist pin and it's just like a single size rod because part of it connects to this crank uh, well this multi-link cantilever and yeah by, ro- ro- by rotating the harmonic drive forward you uh, increase or decrease the compression ratio so it's actually if you remember back in the day the sobs had this weird uh, I think you could increase the volume of the uh, you'd pretty much do the same sort of thing where you could increase the efficiency or the you know or the power output by they had this like, weird like accordion thing uh, on the where their head connected to the crank sh- uh, crankcase and the cylinders would actually expand in volume only a certain degree because you can't, cur- you know, you're on a fixed axis. You're basically drawing a circle. You can't do that too much. But I remember that it would lift up just a little bit. And it only takes a few thousands to make a big difference when you multiply it across, you know, cubic inches or whatever to make a make a big difference. But this thing legitimately rotates, uh, rotates this arm, which affects where the position of the piston is on the crank. So you're basically like stroking your motor. So, 14 to 1 sounds like pretty high compression ratio and that's not a lot of um, that's basically for their efficiency settings and then the lower compression ratio of like 8 to 1 allows you to pump way more fuel into that thing and uh, decreases the the piston doesn't squish it all the way to the top so you got a lot of space in there to jam fuel so yeah it's pretty cool that you can you can vary it from 14 to 1 to 8 to 1 so that's interesting, and I thought I'd just blurb that in here instead of doing like a corrections corner later in the show. All right, let's get to some news. All right, there's no news. I'm totally kidding about that. There's always news. Some of the news coming out of Italy, uh, you know, despite, um, you know, the things you may have heard of MotoGP and all the silly season, Ducati winning, uh, Ducati this and that. Um, one of the other Italian brands that kind of went away for a while is coming back, and that's Kajiva. If you ever had a Kajiva back in the day, they made some really crazy bikes. They made some big, clunky-looking dirt bikes and street bikes. Do you remember the elephant? <clears throat> it's one of my favorite uh, drawings. It kind of reminds me of... Ooh, gosh, let me think of... No, just I guess Kajiva was the only one that had this big, fat, round elephant. And uh, yeah, the Kajiva is going to be coming back. Do you know who owns Kajiva right now? Is uh, MV Agusta, people, the company behind the world's worst uh, logo, brand logo, is bringing back the Kajiva as uh, an electric bike. It's going to be MV Agusta's infinity to Nissan, you know, basically getting them in the door uh, to the world of electrics. And then hopefully, maybe there'll be a rad Kajiva. Uh, racing around at the Moto FIME in 2020. So we're going to be seeing a lot more manufacturers hit the door with um, be hitting the streets, as it were, I guess, with uh, e-bikes coming up here pretty soon. And it's kind of exciting to see that the company that brings us the, you know, the Brutale, and uh, that's the only bike I can really think of from MV Agusta, um, is going to be bringing us something cool like a Kajiva again with the um, Elephant or an electric bike thereof. You may know one of my favorite brands, Bull Taco, has done the same. They are now an electric bike company. And Benelli is also making smaller displacement bikes and I think e-bikes. So it's pretty cool. I'm really excited about that. And like I said, one of my favorite, favorite um, logos, besides the Bull Taco thumbs up, was the Kajiva little elephant. Uh, what else? There's a couple things missing from that I've noticed missing actually from the websites from manufacturer websites and uh, similarly to we mentioned the Kawasaki Ninja 300 missing and now it's been replaced with the 400 because the 300 didn't meet the Euro is it 4? Yeah, the Euro 4 standards. I remember back in 2010 they were talking about the standards for 2016 they're always a few years ahead to give manufacturers a head up, heads up just in case you're wondering how hard it is to make a bike they give you about a decades or half a decade at least notice um, and so some of the bikes that were dropping um, CBR 600 was one of the ones oh there's not going to be any super sport racing anymore because Honda's going to quit making bikes well, that turned out to be false and actually we've seen that Honda is making CBR 600s um, but they are 
uh, Triumph has dropped off the 675 Daytona. And so basically, I don't think that bike met the Euro 3 standards and has dropped off. Um, the Ninja dropped off. We may see things, you know, unless it's, you know, the, the Kawasaki Ninja 650 will always be around because that's what they race in flat track. So they not only for World Superbike and or, uh, World Supersport and for flat tracking and stuff like that, they need that 600. So I'm sure they're going to keep upgrading that. But other companies, you know, especially in this age that we've talked about, the motorcycle industry dying and blah, 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 ridership down and and uh, not a whole bunch of things selling, you have to pick and choose. And so Triumph is picking the 675 to go bye-bye. And uh, I guess, do they still have a 975? I'm not a huge Triumph fan and I don't know all their whole lineup. Um, I'm not super familiar with Triumph. So I know they have like 800s and stuff like that you know, and the Tigers and the bigger the ADV market gets, they're going to keep those things around to compete with the Ducatis and KTMs and the super tens and all that stuff in Africa twins. So everybody, they're not, nobody's going to let their, uh, ADV market bleed off, especially not BMW. So we're going to see things like sport bikes and naked bikes and street fighters and stuff like that, uh, fall to the wayside. In other news, the great orange one, the reality show, uh, host in chief, of the United States of America right now, uh, threw a whopper out there to everybody, proposing a 25 and I want to say 10 or 15 percent uh, tariff on uh, steel and aluminum, respectively. And basically, that b- threw Harley up in arms because they're, the EU is going to retaliate against that by putting a uh, a tariff on Harley Davidsons and Levi jeans, the two things that you need if you're a Harley cosplayer in Europe. Uh, almost 20% of Harley sales are to Europe. I think it's uh, it's over 15. And basically, this is not only going to hurt Harley, it's going to hurt uh, anybody that, that uses steel or anything like that in, in uh, their pack. You know, there's like a... I was reading the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal, and there's a couple plastics companies and, and component manufacturer companies that... Uh, need aluminum for their stuff. So, I mean, this is just, a, it's a big whopper that uh, we're going to get in this trade war with Europe, which we, it's really going to put a damper on Harley because they're trying to get their 2 million riders in five years or whatever it is. A big part of that was supposed to be Europe and Asia. And so if Harleys are levied a huge tariff as it is, uh, then there goes that. So basically what's happening is in China, or not in China, in like uh, in India, there was already a huge tariff on Harleys. And uh, you may know that Trump, as soon as he became president, he backed out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which was Harley was hoping would leverage some of their markets in Asia and some of the decrease some of the tariffs in Asia if they were piggybacked into that agreement. And when that went south and we backed out of that, they had to come up with a new strategy. Part of their strategy for India is that we build bikes over there and assemble bikes over there to avoid a 60% tariff. They're building a new uh, factory in Thailand to do the same sort of thing in many of the Asian markets that have trade deals with Thailand and uh, to avoid those tariffs, we're going to go ahead and build a factory over there. And in Europe where, like I said, over, over 15%, not quite 20% though, but it's a good, good chunk of your sales happen. Uh, we're getting in a peeing contest with the Donald, um, over, you know, his trade tariffs. Now that's going to hit Harley at a time when, you know, over the past three, whatever it is, years or four years that we've been talking about Harley Davidson, uh, is really hitting them right in the, kicking them in the pants right when they don't need it. So wouldn't you know it? Uh, that is basically all the news I've heard about, uh, so far, except for, um, you know, a few things in racing, which is a whole, you know, if you want to hear stuff about MotoGP, go listen to the BrotoGP podcast. And, uh, but yeah, so that's about all the news I have. Let's check in. It's a uh, half an hour in. Let's check in with what Wiggs has recorded for us now. All right. Hi, 
Bam. All right. Well, it happens to the best of us, Wigs. Uh, you go ahead and you press record, and nothing appears to c- happen. But you wouldn't know it unless you uh, were a pro with the gear. Wigs is good at the flat tracks. I'm good with the two tracks. So um, he, I gave him the recorder to record. He took it home. He blabbed for an hour. Off or not. And sometimes that's what happens, folks. So when you see the red light flashing, know that it's supposed to be solid. Uh, plus, I, I must have, when I gave him the recorder, um, it had been shuffled around a few times, and I looked at the settings that it was on when I got it back after I didn't hear anything coming out, and I realized it was on dub, which would have been terrible because you would have heard Wiggs talking this week over last week's interview. It would have sounded like four of us in the room with uh, having two different conversations. So it would have been terrible anyway. And uh, sorry, buddy. Um, what happened? I think that's kind of a, a, a weird statement. Yeah, I get it. I leave you alone with the equipment for one day. And uh, that's what happens. No, it wasn't on the easy setting. So I know sometimes that's it's hard when you're used to just pressing a button and then it uh, does what it's supposed to do. Um, but yeah, weird. So this week it'll just be me again. What have you to say about that, my friend? I don't know. I grew up in the Midwest. Well, that's no excuse for me. So I'm going to go ahead, ramble off some of the stuff that happened at this year's inaugural flat track outing the Daytona TT. Not very flat for a flat track, is it? But uh, I know Wiggins hates TTs, and I love them. He hates them because they are, I I think he doesn't like jumping that much. It's like supermoto for flat track bikes, which I totally dig. But uh, but yeah, if you're just like going around in a cycle, then it's not that much fun to have to jump and land and go the other way and then come back. So I don't know if that's why Wiggs hates it. We've had other conversations where I know he says that TTs aren't indicative of who the national champion is. Otherwise, Henry Wiles would be the national champion. But uh, I do think that TTs are... Uh, a way to showcase your rider skills and it's a good way to separate out some of the people um, and make uh, basically Jared Meese he's a good TT rider and a good flat tracker and that's going to always separate him from everybody else like Brian Smith not a very good flat uh, TT rider excellent you know you have your mile men your TT men um, and I think that TTs are an important part of that because it allows you to see who actually is the best all-around rider in flat track. And uh, I do like to see them bikes jump and get air. And they're kind of bringing the hooligan back to flat tracking, even though flat tracking brought the hooligan. All right. What do you say about that, Chris? I don't know. I grew up in the Midwest. And I totally get that. So this year, the Harley hooligans got to race. The hooligan class uh, did. I don't. I didn't see like all the heats and everything, but I did see the main. And I know that uh, heavily won. So congratulations to him. Uh, a few of the guys from SoCal were there. Josh Slay, who was one of Wiggins' teammates on the Team Speed Merchant, was out there shredding it up. I saw Scott Jones from Noise Cycles that we've had on episode forty-one, I believe. And uh, when Scott was 41, I believe, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then a few other people made it around there. I One of the things is that the guy who won the national Harley, no, the Roland Sands National Super Hooligan National Championship or whatever the hell it's called, Super Hooligan National Championship. Yeah, that's what it's called. Andy Debrino. He is a road racer in, in uh, Moto America, and he's a good MXer. And now he's riding uh, singles. He's got a number, a national number, I believe, and he's riding in the AFT singles class. So that is kind of cool to see. I hope he comes up through the ranks and uh, keeping an eye out for him. He didn't do very well in the finals. Actually, I don't even think I saw his name in the main. So there was a bunch of heats. If you've ever watched the flat tracks, you know how much fun it is to see all that great stuff happening. And uh, some cool mains. And the winner from last year's defending champion, Jared Meese, took it in the Twins on his Indian FTR Scout FTR. And you'll notice this year we did not talk about it very much. We kind of touched on it over a couple episodes ago, but a lot of people switching to that FTR, including our boy Jeffrey Carver, who uh, was interviewed by Wiggs a few episodes ago, and... By one thing I think that needs to come up and it's not really discussed much is 
miles per kilowatt hour, if I'm saying that right. Well, Wiggs, that kind of came out of left field, but all right. We'll talk about miles per kilowatt hour as it relates to flat tracking. I have really no ideas. But as I was saying, uh, the FTR has been a popular bike. Andy Debrino actually won an FTR 750 for taking the Roland Sands National Hooligan Flat Track uh, Series or whatever the hell it's called. But um, so, yeah, a lot of those scouts showing up. I'm pretty, I'm going to run down some of the names that popped up on a scout inside the top 10. Of course, Jared Meese taking uh, number one spot. JD Beach on the Yamaha FZ07 powered Team 95, GNG Racing, Rick Diculous Racing, Yamaha Motors, uh, y, uh, FZ07. Uh, it was really good to see him, another road racer up there on the TT podium. And Henry Wiles, Mr. TT himself, was up there on his Kawasaki Ninja 650. So already right out of the starting gate this year, we're seeing a mix. It's not all Indians sweeping the podium. It's not Harley sweeping the podium. It's going to be a good mix of stuff. And, and I don't think that's just going to be on the TTs, as we saw with Brian Smith before last year when he became an Indian Wrecking Crew member. He took it on that Kawasaki. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, fourth spot was Briar Bauman. And I'm kind of uh, excited to say that both the Bauman brothers are racing in the twins class this year on some pretty good rides. Um, and Briar came in fourth on his Kawasaki Ninja 650, followed in fifth place by Brad Baker on the Indian Scout FTR 750 back, uh, by Indian Motorcycle, backed by Allstate, um, which is, you know, he's the factory wrecking crew dude. Jake Johnson, who was last year one of the XG riders for Team Harley-Davidson. He has gone over to Estenson Racing, and he's racing the Yamaha FZ07. He came in sixth spot. And then Davis Fisher, who we haven't heard of, uh, you know, he was a, he was a Harley Davidson test rider right before they dropped those XGs last year. So the end of 2016, I guess he was one. He was one of the development riders. He's ridden Harley Davidsons on and off. He's been sponsored by Harley dealers on and off, but he's now riding a Kawasaki Ninja 650 for the TT at least. He came in seventh, eighth place. Kenny Kulbeth Jr. I he's not on Zanotti anymore. And he's not with the Harley uh, Harley crew anymore. He is racing an Indian Scout FTR 750. And it was so cool to see King Kenny up there um, in eighth place and just proving that he's not a lap... <coughs> Not a last row dude like last year would have indicated by his results on the Harley Davidson. And it's kind of sucky because when he rode an XR750, he was really, really fast. In ninth place, Brian Smith, the last of the Indian wrecking crew, came in on his uh, FTR750 Indian motorcycle backed by Allstate Insurance. And in 10th place, Robert Pearson, number 27, who I mentioned last episode, number 23, Jeffrey Carver on an Indian, number 27, Robert Pearson on an Indian, and now he finished out the top 10, so keep an eye on him. I saw uh, Carver get lapped, which was uh, kind of crummy, but you know what? They were all hanging on. He came in 15th. Uh, Halbert, who is now has left Estenson Racing Yamaha uh, FC07, he's now part of the Harley uh, in, uh factory team that came out really hard uh he came in 11th followed by number uh 44 brandon robinson in 12th spot who is also one of the harley davidson riders and jared vanderkoy who is the last of the factory harley davidson xgr uh harley davidson riders came in 16th so between uh brandon and Sammy, we had Kale Kolkman, Mikey Rush, and Jeffrey Carver until uh, Jared Vandercoy comes in. Last uh, place is Bronson Bauman and Johnny Lewis. Johnny Lewis, I'm going to keep an eye on him. Number 10, he's racing the Ninja 650 for Richie Morris. And uh, I'm going to keep an eye on him just because he's had a lot of stuff uh, mentioned on his Instagram. I follow him on Instagram, and he does uh, like a lot of schools and stuff like that. And so I, I tend to follow like what he's up to and what he's doing. And he made the main, obviously. He qualified and, and uh, was able to keep it there in last place. But you know what? Um, that was out of a huge field. So <clears throat> moving on to the singles, um, hopeful and returning champion uh, from last year, Colby Carlisle, he crashed out in the main right, I mean in the heat right before 
the main, I think it was, and they said he hurt his shoulders. So he did not make the start in the main. Um, I think he led and I forget what corner he went down in, but yeah, I was watching that. He got tangled up with a few people that went down and, uh, went down hard on his shoulder. And so basically there was, I think he finished that, that heat and, um, basically did not come back out for the main. So whatever he did, they wanted to keep him. Don't injure it anymore, especially jumping. You might be able to rest it, or ride differently on the flat tracks, and but the TTs is pretty pretty punishing even on singles, as far as like turning right and having to land and, and uh, horse the bike around. So he basically uh, did pretty good in the heat, but then you know didn't make the main, and so it was left up to number sixty two Dan Bromley, on which I thought this was funny when they were announcing the Big Mama and Daddy Deep Pockets uh, KTM four fifty XSX. SXF that came out hard too. Um, interesting to see KTM. I mean, it's not like they have never raced, you know, along with Husky. We were talking about that last last episode. Um, but the thing is, is like you hardly see them out there compared to Yamahas and Hondas and even Suzukis. So it's kind of cool that KTM pulled the uh, number one spot on the podium, followed by Jesse Janish, who was on a Yamaha YZ450F. And Jesse, we've heard him. He's a big name in the singles class, but he's really good at TTs. We'll see how he comes out this year on, uh, you know, once the once the results are in for the end of the year, how he does on the, the short tracks and some of the longer flat tracks. Um, Shane Narbonne pulled up the number three spot on the JMC Motorsports all-phase chimneys, Narbonne, concrete, and Dunlop, and 6D, and every other Memphis shade, whatever the hell other things he has on, on his uh, sponsor list. But he was on a Honda CRF450R. So the top three spots, again, in the singles class, not just taken by Hondas this year and not swept by Yamahas. Um, we got a KTM, a Yamaha, and a Honda. And the top five rounding out Jake Lewis on the Suzuki uh, RMZ 450 and in fifth spot, Nick McFadden. Now, Nick McFadden, even I'm not too familiar with his, uh, I mean, obviously I guess I've seen his name around, but I'm just, I, it's not a name that I see a, a lot and I kind of don't recognize it. Uh, but Oliver Brindley, the dude from, uh, England who, uh, has come over here to race, pulled up a sixth Brandon Price, who was in the points hunt last year, uh, came in seventh, Ben Lau, Eric Strump, Ryan Wells, Flying Ryan, uh, round out the top 10. In 11th spot, Corey Texter pulls up on his uh, Honda CRF450R. Now, CTR, Corey Texter Racing, He we mentioned last episode that he decided he couldn't run the Twins this year. It's just too expensive. He sold his toy hauler, Wigs, uh, found out that um, that uh, the, gen- the Wizard... Pulled up that thing in uh, Hawk, and so now Carver's running with with the old toy hauler, and uh, Texter's is varring his sister's old van. So he's racing. He came in 11th. I will see how well he does this year on the regular tracks. For on Carduce, if you watch the Super Prestigio, you'll know he is a Spanish flat track champ. He pulled up right behind on his Honda CRF450R. Then uh, Jay Newton, Dawson Schieffer, Kevin Stollings, James Raspoli, Curtis Lee, and Colby Carlisle round out the top 18 of the main. Uh, Raspoli and Lee got tangled up there and didn't finish. And, of course, Carlisle didn't even start because of his uh, shoulder. So, basically, Raspoli is a road racer dude. Like we said, Debrino is a road racer dude. Um, who else? There's a couple other people. Kevin Stallings, I'm surprised, was down in 15th spot because he's last year was making a pretty good name for himself. And so Ryan Wells in 10th uh, also last year. We heard his name quite a bit. So we'll see how these guys stack up over the course of the year. And I'm excited. I love TTs and I uh, can't wait for the next one. But uh, so far... Where that's how the the season opener has been super cool, and I think that it's really rad that not one ma- major manufacturer swept the podium this year. There was three different in the three spots. So uh, going to Wigs, you're not here in studio, buddy, and you didn't record anything. But what do you have to say about this? We still want your opinion. So it's actually better than most. <laughs> it, I think I would agree with that, Wigs. Um, we're going to take a quick break and take a time out here. We're approaching 
Oh, it's about a quarter of a half. It's about a quarter of an hour till an hour. Uh, I have to go hack another loogie. And while I go hawk a loogie, what do you call hawking a loogie? Do you call it uh, hawking a greenie? Do you call it uh, hacking some gack? What do you call it? Just uh, email us, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com with the loogie in the subject line. And however you spell it, it's going to be awesome. All right, we'll be right back. Oh, God, my head. I just wish it would explode already. It feels like I'm stuffing my nasal cavities full of cotton every single time I take a break. We're going to get out of here probably in an hour, but uh, maybe maybe a little bit uh, more than that. We'll see how, how much longer I can blab for. But uh, one thing I did want to say, if you're interested in catching the next round of the American Flat Track Series, it's going to be happening April 7th in Georgia. Uh, get your tickets online. Of course, we'll have um, upcoming events here at the end of the show, so don't worry about that. I'll probably mention it again. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we have a special guest, and it's going to be really awesome. You've heard her before. It is going to be Narissa from Milwaukee, and we're going to be yapping with her about some stuff. We did get an email from Chris. Uh, I hope that's right, damn it. But he has a Motoguzzi. Am I thinking this is right or is his name James? I need to double check my email before I just uh, start saying who we got an email from. Oh, we got an email from uh, anybody you don't know. Uh, Chase. Did I say that right? Did I already say Chase? So Chase wanted to know what brand of machines uh, Wiggins uses for machining and what type of parts does he make. Listen, man, Wiggins and I don't even really ride motorcycles. We're just totally BSing you this whole show. This is a BS. We don't machine or make ride motorcycles. We're not that cool. But I'm just kidding. Wiggins will tell you next week. And uh, I'm sure that he doesn't make stuff at uh, work all day. He makes knives. And uh, I know for a fact because he sells them, and they're very good. If you need more uh, sort of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, testimonials, um, ask, son of Korax. He bought one of his knives. I've seen Wiggins' knives in person. They're pretty sweet. Um, so, yeah, he, he makes knives. And um, when he's not making high-end motorcycle parts. And so also, speaking of wigs and him not being here, uh, check in this week. I'm going to look at the uh, do a live right now, what you should never do, and do like a live look at something. I think, you, in my opinion, you should always come prepared. Hashtag our last few uh, motorcycle challenges <laughs> where we're looking stuff up on the show. I don't think you should do that. I think you should come prepared. But I'm going to do a live right now. And I'm going to look up Paris. So in Paris, my phone says dash dash. So maybe it's not even uh, in Riverside, which is pretty close. It looks like it's going to be sunny on Saturday in the uh, mid-60s. So that's not too shabby. Paris ain't too far from there. So we'll just assume that Paris is the same. It's not giving me a reading for Paris. Either the wind has blown the weather station offline or a mudslide or... Uh, Paris is no is being renamed and it's no longer called Paris anymore. So, at any rate, <clears throat> Riverside's looking pretty sweet and chill right now. It's sixty eight and uh, partially sunny, and uh, right here where I am, it's also partially sunny. We're under a little bit of cloud cover. Uh, looks like thunderheads, but I don't think it's supposed to rain. So, hopefully, keeping fingers crossed for the wigster and uh, for everybody that's going to be going to the veggie plate. This weekend, it's going to dry up. And all next week looks like it's supposed to be sunny. We're heading back into the high 70s, so damn near 80 degrees next Friday. So, uh, yeah, we're getting back to normal temps. Winter decided to hit us this in one week. So uh, I actually – oh, Paris, here we go. Booyah. It's 67 out there today. Tomorrow it's going to be 63, partly cloudy, and I don't see any chance of rain. So hopefully overnight – it, uh, I mean, it's going to be chilly. It's going to be super chilly. So I don't know what they're going to do about that dirt. They might have to wheel pack the track or something to squish some of the water out. But at least it doesn't look like it's going to get any wetter than it already has for the last four days in a row. Um, so yeah, Veggie Plate Classic 3 going down. I will probably be home with a hot water bottle on my head and a thermometer sticking out of my mouth, just like those old cartoons. And, uh, or an ice pack on my head, whatever those things used to be. And that's probably what I'll be doing because I am not going to go out there. I've, I'm sure that's why I've been kind of sick because I've been moving and cleaning all week 
and uh, I just need a rest, man. So I will not be at the Bridge Plate Classic cheering on Wiggins this weekend. <clears throat> As you can hear, my voice is getting crummy already just from talking for 49 minutes. Um, so <clears throat> let's move on, shall we? I think what we're going to do this year for the Solstice Slam is we're going to go ahead and make it happen slightly before Born Free, like the actual Solstice, Summer Solstice, and the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. I want to tell you, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge is heating up. Just to let you know, we got a lot of cool riders. I think Clink is in there, and uh, so is Nikki Schroeder. One of the Fox Valley leaders. We got Chris Singsheim and Paul uh, Bry Viffer riding this this year for the team. Um, since they were listeners last year, they could ride. So that's all going to be going down this summer. And I think for Solstice Slam, we'll kick it. The last day for submissions for the Solstice Slam will be May thirty. Let's say thirtieth. I know there's 31 days in May. Let's go ahead and make it the 30th so I can edit everything on the 31st and pump it out to you Friday, June 1st. So Friday, June 1st will be the Solstice Slam episode. Please get your submissions in by May 30th. You can email the show specifically for the Solstice Slam at slam at creative-writing.com. And if that's too long for you, you can always uh, email it to Creative Writing Podcast at gmail.com. They're probably, uh, it's probably longer than slam at creativewriting.com. But anyway, yeah, the Solstice Slam, if you've never been a part of it before, this is your chance to send in some cool artwork that we'll display, some cool ride stories, some music, poetry. It's like, it's basically like a poetry jam or a poetry slam, but for the two wheeled uh, brothers and sisters. And uh, maybe you got married on your bike and you want to uh, share the story. Maybe, just maybe, you uh, go racing and you want to brag about it a little bit. Uh, this is your chance, my man and my woman, to go ahead and do that now and uh, get your stories in. If you've ever wanted to be on the show but didn't get called up by us randomly, which would be kind of weird because we don't typically do that, um, this is your chance to go ahead and submit something to the show. It will be read, if you don't read it yourself in audio form, by me, uh, or email some artwork and or some music and obviously give us permission to display it and use it. And what do you know? It'll be right on there. Um, I'm going to get out of here for a hot second. I think I hear Bigfoot knocking. Totally unnecessary to play footstep sounds, but uh, I also thought I should mention that Bigfoot knocking is not a euphemism for having to take a big turd, but that is a pretty good one. All right, we are going to end this show with a uh, call to action from me. Call to action number one. Use your hipster name game to sign up for this year's Solstice Slam. When you submit your Solstice Slam entry, use your hipster name. If you never heard the hipster name, uh, I think it was episode 58. Uh, let me double check real quick and I'll get right back to you. That was extremely fast. It is not episode 58. It's episode 48, uh, the name game. And if you go there, you'll understand why we call Bri Viffer, Bri Viffer. And you'll understand why we call Jason Goolmeyer, Eluzuma. And, uh, yeah, so go there and use your, you know, use your hipster name to submit your story or submit your artwork, whatever you're going to submit, but definitely start doing that. Start working on something to submit to this year's Solstice Slam. Cause I have to tell you that the prizes are going to be, uh, a little bit better this year than they are, uh, have been in the past. At least I hope so. Last year, somebody won a freaking cigar box guitar. What could be better than that? I don't know, winning a cigar box band? I don't know, you tell me. Uh, call to action number two. We have been getting lots of requests for Patreon. The biggest one from Son of Korax. Uh, he's mentioned it a few times. He's mentioned some stuff a few times. Uh, getting that stuff in line. It, and it's taken me a little bit. I want to do... I want to make sure we have something good. You know, I don't just want you paying, 
you know, money for just to hear me yap because that's not what it's all about. But if there is something we can give back to you guys and contribute back to the community, then for sure, that is what I want uh, you guys to tell me. I've already got a, a list of ideas. I had a list of ideas that I have uh, started putting into action, but if there's something that you would like to see on a Patreon uh, page, you know what I'm saying, is that uh, basically we're going to be... <laughs> Chris just texted me. Uh, I'll talk to you in a sec. Basically, uh, w- let me know what, what you would like your prize to be. You know what I'm saying? Let me know what you would like your... Um, what monetary value I could give so that you could uh, uh, feel like it was okay to, to, to donate to the show. That's a call to action. Number two call to action. Number three, it is, I mean, heck if it's raining here, it's gotta be terrible around the rest of the world. You know what I'm saying? Mudslides and all sorts of crazy Armageddon here. And then people freak out already when a drizzle comes down. But what I want to know is how, uh, you know, it's gotta be riding season in the next couple weeks, couple few weeks. You gotta let me know exactly, uh, how your riding is going. Have you got out? Has there been a break in the weather, especially the folks in Wisconsin, the Fox Valley leaders? I saw that you guys, one of you guys posted that you got out on your sport bike the other day. So, um, yeah, I know you guys are riding. So let me know, how is the springtime? A lot of you guys that listen are in Canada and um, northern part of the, the states. What what's it go? What's the weather like? What are your plans in the three months that you have of good riding? Are you going to go camping? You're going to go on a road trip? You're going to p- participate in the motorcycle podcasters challenge for the individual listener points? Um, yeah, let me know. <laughs> I had to text Wiggins back real fast. He's wondering what happened to the show. Well, my friend, you'll find out in a few minutes. Uh, listen. Chris Dewhurst from uh, Aussie Chris sent me some. You have, we have, haven't heard that name in a long time. Check it out. He was one of the OG uh, listeners of the show. He sent me some videos of his camping trips over there in Australia and actually uh, looks really, really, really fun. He's got an F600 or an F650 GS, and he's using that thing like a friggin' Willie's Jeep, you know what I'm saying? Loaded up with firewood and all sorts of great stuff. Um, I can't, couldn't share that with you on the on the pages or, or download the video to, to repost it. So uh, I guess it's just private. But um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. He's in full swing over there and it's summertime basically over there or becoming the end of. And uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, people already out all over the world doing their uh, springtime riding. And, um, well, let's just call it March riding because I don't know what seasons it is wherever you're listening. But, um, yeah, it's really, really cool. So I'm really excited to hear uh, about some of the stuff coming up. The WIR Top 10 uh, bikes, you know, those guys are huge. uh, We're huge fans of theirs, I should say. I almost said they're huge fans of ours. I don't know about that. But we're huge fans of the WIR's Top 10. And if you go check them out on the, the Facebooks, you'll notice that they changed their format. We talked a little bit about that with Chris a few episodes ago um, when he was rebuilding his bike, his DRZ, and now he has like 18 DRZs. He's got like a whole fleet. If you want to start like a DRZ race up there in um, Waukesha, Wisconsin, contact Chris Singsheim. He'll hook you up and you guys can start your own race series. It'll be amazing. Um, but yeah, so now he's got, you know, that's what wintertime does to people up north. They start rebuilding all sorts of stuff. Um, so he's got like two or three DRZs now that are running. He's been going crazy on his race bike, and their season's going to be starting pretty soon. I looked at their calendar, and I believe it's May. So uh, that'll be coming up here actually faster than you know it. April is just going to fly right by. So given that, given that we're getting into the uh, the springtime, and this, I guess May is sort of summertime, let me know what you guys are doing, what you're working on, if you have any cool bikes that you're building. Uh, Wiggins and I are going to continue our little challenges and uh, continue to talk about building stuff, building community, building new riders, building new bikes. So we're gonna we're gonna we haven't dropped that yet from the the segment. So I just want to let you know we're taking a hiatus from it a little bit to do our little challenge, but we'll get back to quote building stuff. Um, and so with that, let's get into current events. I need to tell you these right now because some of them may be happening in less than eight hours. If you hear my voice right now, make sure you get to Paris Raceway, not Paris Auto Speedway, Paris Raceway. 
for round three of the Veggie Plate Classic. Today actually turned out to be a really nice Friday. And I'm sure that the dirt is going to be tacky out there on the oval. So Veggie Plate Classic 3, I'm sure, is going to go off without a hitch. Fingers crossed. March 24th, the day after the Veggie Plate Classic, I'm telling you, this weekend is shaping up to be good. And it's going to be CMC ride out to Pioneer Town. They do the monthly ride to Pioneer Town. Uh, April 13th. Uh, Motorcycle Adventure SoCal, they're having a uh, school at um, Chilau, Chilau School. Uh, Check them out on Facebook if you want to check that out and enroll in their classes. Um, On May 20th, there is, or actually, I'm sorry, let's not go that far yet. Uh, April 7th, we met, we, there's a 2018 Cretans Race Benefit Party. I don't know if I already mentioned this uh, because I jumped around a little bit, but... Um, Last year, I think it was held at the Cretans Clubhouse. I think they've demolished the clubhouse or moved out of it and uh, or moved to a new one. And so they're having this one at Lucky Wheels. It's going to be at 6 p.m. April 7th, March 31st, not to get ahead of ourselves too far. Uh, So next weekend after the Veggie Plate Classic is the OG Moto Show, LA's answer to basically the one show and the hand-built show and all that stuff. That's happening at noon in uh, LA. I believe that's going to be down like sort of near Long Beach. At at any rate, just check out the Outliers Guild Moto Show. Uh, You'll see all the uh, details there. Um, did I already talk about May 20th scooter, uh, scooter speed and vintage scooter swap meet? Uh, that is going to be going down uh, at Irwindale. So, or at 134 South Irwindale Avenue. So I don't know if there's a shop down there or if that's the Irwindale Speedway. Uh, I, sh- I guess I should know. I live right by there. So, um, I don't know, but anyway, uh, there's a whole bunch of other great stuff coming up. There's the motorcycle podcasters challenge coming up. Um, March 31st, Hell's Kitchen Grand Reopening. Um, I saw that from the uh, people over at Cerberus posted. Uh, And let me see, Downtown LA Second Sunday Ride coming up March 25th. So if you don't do the ride to Pioneer Town, there's always that. Uh, Southern California Flat Track Association on Saturday, May 5th is having a mini TT, which that would be rad. I know Chris hates TTs, but uh, they look like they're fun. Um, Triumph of LA is having a group ride to the Cretans Racing Benefit event. So April 7th at 5 p.m., they're going to ride down starting in Inglewood at the Triumph of LA, ride two Lucky Wheels for the Cretans Benefit Party. Uh, There's a whole bunch of other stuff. Just check out, check back here next week and uh, we'll keep you informed. But so far, that's like the next couple weeks uh, from what I could uh, get off my events page real quick. And um, I think that's all I have in the books uh, up until, gosh, I don't know. Did I already, did I mention April? Yeah, mid-April, I guess. Um, the 8th is the uh, Bear Necessities run from the Riverside Foreign Legion Post number 79, I believe it is. The, the 14th, which is the following Saturday, is a Hippie Killer Hoedown out at the Lake Paris Fairgrounds, which is where the uh, Speedway is and all that stuff. And on the 15th, the Ramming Speed Racing is having a classic track day. There's a whole bunch of crap on Instagram that I tagged, but uh, I'm not going to go back through it because the music is ending, and so is this show. Hope you have a great week. Email us, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Leave a review in iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play Store, or wherever you find your podcasts, my friends. Uh, I'm, I'm out of here. Chris? I'm just going to PX my truck. 10-4, good buddy. We'll be back with you guys next week. I'm going to throw a little song in here at the end just for you guys. And blooper uh, reel starting now. recording this whole time you dirty dog check check did i pause recording are you gonna hear me hack a loogie i hope i paused it i hope i was even recording this whole shit oh
motorcycle race Bought a $13 beer and a $7 hot dog And I stuffed them in my face It was rotten and gross, was it even meat? It smelled worse than old ladies' feet Might as well have eaten a monkey's butt Eaten a monkey's butt Might as well have eaten a monkey's butt Eaten a monkey's butt Might as well have eaten a monkey's butt Eaten a monkey's butt Might as well have eaten a monkey's butt Eaten a monkey's butt 